From the studios of WHUPLP in Hillsborough, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the wait is up Fight, I have great respect for any person who steps on the mat in an effort to improve their life. Jiu-Jitsu is growing for sure, but it's still a niche pursuit. All told, not that many people participate. And of those who train, the vast majority don't compete. That means 99% of the human population will never grapple in a Jiu-Jitsu tournament. Which means in turn that if you have signed up for one, or if you will in the future, you should be really proud of yourself. You're having an exceptional experience that 99% of the people in the world never will. These experiences are exhilarating and they're exhausting. They can be stressful and magical and draining and energizing all at the same time. And everyone has a different first experience. So we wanted to hear about that on this week's Dirty White Belt Radio. As luck would have it, Betsy O'Donovan decided after eight months of training that she was going to sign up for a recent U.S. grappling event. So for this show, we wanted to document that experience and by extension, the first experiences other people have at jiu-jitsu tournaments too. So we wanted to do that in two ways. First, we'll follow Betsy, a white belt, on every step of her tournament journey, from training to the drive out to the matches themselves and the aftermath. Second, we wanted to get stories from competitors recounting what they remember about their first tournament. And we got an amazing response from listeners, so thanks to everyone who sent us a voicemail or called in. We got responses from every belt level, which was pretty amazing. People were raw and honest and real about their experiences, and I'm so grateful for the stories that you're about to hear. We also got some bonus content, which are photos and videos from back in the day that we'll be posting both to DirtyWhiteBelt.com and to our Facebook page. So if you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more about the people who told stories or see them in action, you can check out those places for videos and photos from people's first tournament matches, including mine. This is Dirty White Belt Radio from the studios of WHUP. You can always email the show at cagesidewhup at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at Dirty White Belt and on Twitter at DWB Radio. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review. We appreciate every one of those reviews and every one of those interactions. But mostly, we appreciate the fact that you participate in the show. And that's what we're all here for. So let's get right to it. Our featured interview today is brought to you by Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Company. Toro BJJ produces the highest quality geese, rash guards, and grappling supplies for every Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. You can check them out online at torobjj.com. Our thanks to Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for making our featured interview possible. So let's get to it. If you're a regular listener, you know Betsy O'Donovan from this show. She provides the perspective of a new person, a white belt in Jiu-Jitsu, and asks the questions that I, as someone who's been doing this for a while, don't always think to ask. You also know that she started training primarily for self-defense, so competing wasn't really on her radar at all, at least at first. When she did decide to register for a tournament, though, she had big plans. Betsy was going to train five days a week, she was going to eat right, she was going to optimize her weight, and do all the little things that help lead to tournament success. That didn't quite work out the way she had planned, 
but it might have worked out better. So, Betsy, it's the night before your first jiu-jitsu tournament. Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, very full of mapo tofu. Yes, but how are you feeling? <laughs> are you thinking about it? Are you not thinking about it? Are you relaxed? Are you nervous? Um, a little from columns A, B, and C. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about it kind of nonstop all week, but I am also very in the moment of there's nothing else I can do at this point, so let's just low-key go do some jiu-jitsu and see how that goes. What do you expect from the tournament? I don't quite know. I've been talking to people about it a lot all week. Uh, I expect that the novice division, of which I am a part, and the beginners, of which I am going to be an uh, official part in a month, will be combined, because that's usually a pretty small group at U.S. Grappling. I expect that'll be between four and ten people. Um, and I expect to have at least two matches, because I'm competing in my weight division in the gi, and then in absolutes in the gi. Like a lot of us that are that took up jiu-jitsu when we were a little older, you have a day job, and it's a demanding day job, and your day job really kicked up in the last month, and so you haven't been able to train as much as you wanted. But I'm wondering, do you think that's actually a good thing in that it's kept you distracted from the tournament, or how, do you, how are you feeling about that? Wait, I want to clarify what you mean by kicked up in the last month. Do you mean when the Tar Heels of the University of North Carolina won the National Basketball Championship? Well, among other things, but, but that especially. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I work at the Daily Tar Heel, and it obviously made things absolutely insane for us for a few weeks, which meant my plans for eating well went straight out the window. I was eating like a college kid because the only people I saw for a couple weeks were college kids. So we ate a lot of pizza in the newsroom, and... Um, I didn't get to train as much as I had expected. So I was hoping to drop down to middleweight, and I'm going to be in right in the middle of middle heavy, which is fine. It's my walking around weight. Um, and I haven't gotten to polish up some things that I really was hoping to take on board, like sort of newish skills for me. So um, what that has meant is... I'm approaching this a lot like I would an open mat, which has taken a lot of the pressure off. The fact that I haven't been able to prepare the way I want to makes me expect less from myself. I think I would be really bummed if I had bothered to cut weight and been able to, you know, go to six or seven classes a week and train a lot and, and then did not perform well. Now, if I perform well, it will be a very, very pleasant, very big surprise. And if I perform badly but learn something, that'll be worth what I paid for it. Okay, last question. When you visualize your perfect match, how you want it to go, how does it go for you? What techniques do you use? How does the match end when you go through that in your mind? So we were talking about this earlier today, and my answer has actually changed. So I want to join the ranks of being filthy guard pullers. Um, I like all of my favorite attacks are from the guard. Um, or most of my favorite attacks are from the guard. I recently learned a super nasty choke from stack passing that I would very much like to get to try out tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Jake Whitfield. And since stack passing is my all-time favorite thing in jiu-jitsu and um, 
and I am all about that laziness life. The fact that this is a choke that you hit right off of a pass is pretty awesome. So I would like to get to try that out. Well, good luck. Thank you very much. We'll see how it goes. We'll find out how Betsy's matches went a little bit later in the show. Someone else who has had a ton of jujitsu matches and countless honors, including a Pan American championship, is brown belt Mary Holmes. But even after all those many years of jiu-jitsu and all those gold medals, Mary still remembers that first tournament, and she called in to tell us about it. Hey, Jess and Betsy. This is Mary. Um, so I sent you a link to a highlight video that my friend Amy Alley made from our first tournament experience. And um, she and I and uh, Junior went up from Chapel Hill to Richmond. It was my first tournament. We had been training hardcore for like three months. Started May and the tournament was in August and um, had some fun matches against some other women from other schools and then against each other. Had a great time, great experience. Um, and it, uh, I just, I still think about it and, and just, you know, have a smile from, uh, you know, how much we treat each other on, how much close we got it, like closer we got her as, uh, excuse me, closer we got as teammates. And, um, the stuff that we learned, and all things we want to come back and work on even more when we got, you know, back from uh, our, our trips and vacations after that. And uh, yeah, so it's it was it was a great experience. Another great tournament experience, which I, I was trying to find a link to the highlight video, but was the Converse Women's Sports Tournament that I did in Hampton. I think it was a year and a half later. Um, and that was a bunch of women from like the the kind of DC Virginia area, and that was a blast as well. And there's a highlight video video of that somewhere on YouTube. Um, but that's you know the first time I met people like Maggie Gamry and Denise Lynn and Ava Tarnay and. Um, Megan Lomanoff and, and some of those people were all there and it was just really cool. So, um, tournaments are great. Yeah, youth grappling is great. Um, highlight videos of tournaments are also great. So I hope that that was helpful. Take care. You can see that highlight video of Mary at dirtywhitebelt.com slash blog or on our Facebook page when we post the show. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no-time-limit submission-only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com. It's the morning of the tournament. U.S. Grappling has an event in Charlotte, which is a two-and-a-half-hour drive from where we are. Betsy has signed up for two gi divisions, her weight class and the absolute. I want to talk to her about how she's feeling on the morning of the event. She wants to ask me a couple of questions. Sure, I say, and I'm expecting her to ask me some strategy or technique inquiries. Nah. She wants to ask me about how to be nice to her opponent and how to respect the ref. So, Betsy, we're in the car on the way out to the jiu-jitsu tournament. Uh... How are you feeling about the jiu-jitsu tournament this morning? Uh, eager. I'm ready for it to be here. So are you planning on doing anything to fire yourself up or just kind of riding the even keel? 
I'm drinking a lot of coffee. I was given a mysterious powdery substance this morning and told to ingest it, uh, and I did that. Um, Hashtag vegan steroids. <laughs> and eventually, at some point today, I will listen to the Kills song, You Are a Fever, uh, and that is the extent of my mood preparation. Jeff, I have a question. I have an answer. Let's see if they match. All right, here's my question. I just realized that I don't know how to be nice on the mats during competition before and after. Like, I don't know the etiquette of like, hey, how are you? And one of us just beat the other. Uh, so help. Okay, well, first of all, like, you're a naturally nice person, so I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. I would also say that different people have different preferences. Like, my, my, my match with George Law is an example at the New York Open. George is a great guy, but we didn't know each other. And I was like, hey, buddy, what's up? You know, hey, let's have a good match or, or whatever. And I was just kind of being my normal effusive self. And, like, later after we became friends, George was like, I was like, is this guy messing with me? Is this guy trying to get in my head? <laughs> you know? And um, so you will see a, a wide array of people. And for some people, this is like a pickup soccer game. Like, hey, I enjoy training jujitsu. I enjoy competing. It's not that serious. Hey, here's a new girl to roll with. Hey, Betsy, let's go. And, and then there are some people that are going to treat like this like it's live or die, that I'm fighting for my soul on a desert island, and the loser gets eaten. And it's mostly the first people, thankfully, in my experience. And so, like, in terms of basic rules of politeness, like shake their hands beforehand, give them the jujitsu slap and bump, then roll as hard as you possibly can and try to whoop their ass. And then afterward, shake hands. They'll probably give you a hug. like a, Because, you know, you and I have talked about this in terms of bonding, both in terms of a jiu-jitsu context and in terms of, like, military contexts and other... Where it's like you've had this intense physical experience with somebody else, and whether you won or you lost, there's often, like, man, okay, respect. And so there'll probably be a sweaty hug, both before and after the ref raises somebody's hand. And I find that after the match generally speaking that that is when okay now we're friends and now we can talk and like hey that was a great awesome kimura you know really good oh it's so good to compete with you and where are you from and and such like that i am comfortable with that level of friendliness before the match not everyone is but after the match unless the person is a jerk feel free to just be your natural nice self the one exception i will say and it's not necessarily even an exception but just a situation that we navigate in human dynamics let's say someone does something foolish during a match which happens and they are embarrassed for for justifiable or unjustifiable reasons um and uh, you know i i've done this and so maybe give them a second to kind of recover from that and uh but 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 generally speaking uh, you know, be nice and friendly before the match. Shake their hands. Compete really hard. Then after the match, um, when they're when it's done, I think you will find a sort of exhilaration and relief, and like, oh, wow, that was really great. That was really fun. Like whether you won or you lost, hey, I just had this really intense physical experience, and my partner, my opponent, helped me do that. And hey, and you'll probably want a hugger because I like whether I get beat or not. I, I that's what I always feel like doing with my opponent. Cool. Thank you. I have another question. Hit me. I also don't know how to communicate with refs, it occurs to me. Like, I don't know what kind of communication we're going to have, if they reset us, all of that. Like, I hope I don't do something stupid, but I'm, I just realized, like, I've watched a lot of tournament matches, but I haven't paid particular attention to the moments when the ref intervenes and does stuff. 
So this is where U.S. grappling is great. In IBJJF tournaments, you are actually prohibited by the rules from speaking to the ref. And there are some exceptions that I've seen, one of which where the big dude fell on me. Um, uh, like, and he talked to me. The ref did. So thanks, ref. But, like, there's a rule. Like, you can't talk to the ref or you get a penalty. At U.S. Grappling, it's not like that. And so, generally speaking, because U.S. Grappling refs go through a lot of training and they're coached to, like, and, you know, they're all grapplers themselves, so they understand the competition experience. Um, generally speaking, they're going to try to facilitate a good experience for both competitors. And so how I do that and how I think most U.S. Grappling refs do that is there's a pat introductory spiel before the match. So I'm going to give you mine, which is like, hey, like, so, and I, it varies from level to level. So for your match, if I, if I were refing with you and another white belt woman, I would say, all right, folks, white belt women's match in the gi. This is a five minute match. Uh, you're going to have no leg locks legal. So no attacks below the waist, except for the straight ankle lock. I'm not trying to disqualify anybody. So if I see you do something illegal, I will warn you the second time I will give you a penalty, but I'm not trying to disqualify you. So if you hear me say something, please follow my instructions. The most important part of the ref spiel is when I say, if I need you to stop either because you're rolling off the mats or you're in an unsafe position, I will put my hands on you and say, pause, please hold that position. That means hold the grips that you have. So if you have a collar or a sleeve, keep that. I will try to reset you in the same position in a safer spot, like in the middle of the mat. If I'm unable to recreate that position, like there's a scramble and you're going out of bounds, I will restart us on the feet. Does anybody have any questions for me? And at that point, you know, they can ask, like, hey, are knee bars legal? No, that's just no-gi or whatever. Most people don't ask questions. Most people are ready to sort of go at it. I would advise you against initiating communication with a ref unless, like, it, there's just probably not going to be any need to. Like, what, what will probably happen is if you're doing something illegal, like if you have an illegal grip, then the ref will probably say, hey, that's an illegal grip. You have to break it. And they'll probably pause you. And you can feel free to ask them, like, hey, what makes that grip illegal? What can I do? Because at U.S. Grappling, you can actually interact with the refs. Um, but generally speaking, I don't think... I think the only time the ref is probably going to interact with you is when they put your hands on you and your opponent and say, pause, move you back to the middle, uh, separate you and say, all right, uh, begin. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank you very much. Heather Casey is a jiu-jitsu blue belt and a yoga instructor who has been training for quite some time without competing. Heather has a lot of skills and decided to make her first tournament the IBJJF Boston Open, a big challenge. She left us a thoughtful and detailed account of her experience, so big respect and thanks to Heather for sending this in. Hi Jeff, this is Heather Casey calling in. I was calling to uh, let you know about my first tournament experience since it was fresh on my mind and on Saturday um, leading up to the tournament I have been training harder than I've ever trained before um, training six days a week most days uh, twice a day either morning classes 6 a.m. classes or evening classes uh, and a lot of competition focused with uh, some of the local girls from Chapel Hill uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, <clears throat> and I felt mentally ready. It was the first time that I'd ever um, tried to cut weight for anything, so that was uh, a really tough experience for me as well. And when I got onto the mat, there was nothing 
that could have ever, I think, led up to the experience of it except for doing it. There was no, you know, like talks from friends or imagining, you know, playing out the experience in my mind. It was one of those things where I think you just have to experience it. You have to step onto the mats and feel the adrenaline. And I wasn't ready for the intensity I thought that I was. I had so many people telling me to up the intensity, and I did, or I thought I had upped what I did, but it wasn't in nearly enough preparation for what I experienced. And I caught myself in positions that I never practiced, um, and I got submitted in both matches. I didn't lose by points, and I felt really ashamed and embarrassed, embarrassed after both matches. And even though mentally I knew that I shouldn't be and I knew that people were proud of me just for going and doing it, but I felt like a lot of people believed in my skill and believed in my ability, and I felt like I let people down and um and i I also took away that I need to um uh Jason Colbreth mentioned on Saturday night that it was really important to go out there and have each match as if it was going to be your last one that there is no guaranteed match after this one. you have to be so tired and so gassed. I realized I wasn't tired enough even after my my grips were tired, but I didn't give it enough, even though I thought that I did in the moment. And so it was definitely a learning experience. With Betsy's questions answered, we head out to the event. I've been to dozens of these, but I still really have no idea what to expect from the matches. And I'm fairly sure I'm more nervous than Betsy is. The plan is for Betsy, who doesn't have a wrestling or a judo background, to pull guard and to work basic sweeps and submissions. No plan survives engagement with the enemy, but Betsy's first match goes shockingly according to plan. She pulls guard, gets a deep collar grip, and after about a minute of working a cross-collar choke, her opponent taps. I do a deep exhale, and I feel like I've run a marathon. Betsy, well, here's how she reacts. Are you pretty tired right now? Um... Actually, less tired than I expected. I expected to be totally like adrenaline dumpy, and I think everybody warned me so much about it that I'm not. You've just won your first jiu-jitsu match ever uh, by submission due to collar choke. You did a lot of great things. How do you feel? Um, like I want to do more of this. <laughs> Competing is really fun. I'm so glad you had a good experience. And like, can you? Can you sort of describe us your mentality from the moment you stepped onto the mat to the finish of the match and like what you were experiencing mentally and emotionally? Yeah, so about five minutes before I was, um, I, I realized how fast I was breathing and everybody like, everybody kept coming up to me going, take a couple of deep breaths and it insanely helped, like lots and lots and lots. Um, and the magical calming power of deep breaths is real. And also it helps like Amanda and I have rolled together before, I really like her, um, so it helped to not be facing like an unknown quantity of some strange girl who, you know, with whom there's no personal relationship. Like, my big, my big concern with this event was, am I going to get hurt? Like, is somebody just going to come at me and, you know, and that's a risk in the sport, but if you know the person and sort of that they're sane, it, for me at least, it was way less scary just to see a face I knew. 
this is what I think makes competition a valuable experience is sometimes you are going against, I have no idea who that person is. And sometimes it's like, oh, we rolled it open, match. She's cool. Yeah. And so did you, you didn't experience an adrenaline dump at all. How did it feel when the choke finished? Um, well, my hands have been really sore all week, so I was like, please let this work. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Um, and uh, there was a minute when I thought, I wonder if I should be going for an arm bar instead. Um, because my hands hurt. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it was really, you know, it's slippy out there. Like her gear was slipping around. I thought I had a good deep bite with the first grip and I didn't. So I had to kind of keep gripping up at it. Which is something I don't normally do when I'm rolling in the academy. Because I'll just move on to other stuff because I'm training. And in this it was like, well, you get this, or you have to really, really go to plan B. So, Are you excited for the absolute? I am going to be really interested to see what happens. I should also note, I'm the only person in competing in the gi who didn't already compete in no gi. Um, so there's that, too. Like Everybody else has already had some really hard rolls in today, um, and I kind of regret not entering no gi. Well, there's always next time. <laughs> there is. Her last match of the day does not go according to plan. <laughs> what did you just say? Stamina is a real thing. So you've just experienced your first loss in a jiu-jitsu match. You lost on points at a really tough, grueling match. Amanda had really good top pressure, and you were on the bottom for most of the match. What was your experience like? Well, I was mostly praying for it to end soon at a certain point. Once I realized, like, I was pretty much out of gas for bridging, and my shrimping was getting, like, pretty struggly, I was just like, well... All I can do is hang in here and like keep hoping like to squeeze out like the side or find a sneaky path because the technical path was closed to me. So that was the first time you've ever had the experience of really having somebody that you couldn't get off the top of you in in a jiu-jitsu tournament. And like was it different than getting smashed in the gym for you? Yeah, you know, in the gym everybody's like there aren't any white belt women who are bigger than me and most of the people I roll with are upper belts and so they're not going full force so this is really the first time like I've had a fellow white belt um, like come at me full bore and it was really it was interesting like it makes you think like I gotta get my cardio up I gotta do more like strength training so this is probably your last match of the day um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it, if, if this is the end, like, what would you say on balance about the experience? Uh, this has been incredibly fun. On balance, incredibly fun. Even losing is fun. Like, not as fun as winning, obviously, but it's informative. The tally for the tournament. Three matches, two wins. One gold medal in her weight class and one silver medal in absolute. One very close match one not-so-close win, and one not-so-close loss. As a coach, I couldn't be happier. Betsy fought hard, had a wide range of match experiences, and got stuck in a really uncomfortable spot, but kept fighting and never thought of giving up. And you can see the picture of the pattern Amanda's gi left on Betsy's face on our Instagram account, at Dirty White Belt, if you're interested. Speaking of impressions, we'll find out what Betsy's impressions of the tournament were from the day after in just a little bit. But first, let's hear another story about first competitions. Before we go back to the White Belt for a recap of her tournament, I want you to hear from one of the most important people in the North Carolina Jiu-Jitsu community. Betty Broadhurst is a purple belt, and at 60 years old, has a tremendous personal story. 
as well as maybe the best testimonial for competition that I've ever heard. Here's Betty Broadhurst talking about her first tournament. Hi, this is Betty Broadhurst and sending a message to Dirty White Belt Radio. Um, recently, um, Betsy and Jeff asked, what was it like as a first competitor? I want to say as a female in a 60-year-old purple belt training in rural North Carolina, um, it's been probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. My first competition, I was training out of Evolution MMA in Wilmington, Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, under Jeremy Owens. I went to a Naga tournament in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was a white belt probably six to eight months in, and there was a major group effort to go. It was for Halloween weekend, and about 23 team members went. They rented like a big van, and uh, it was a big event, so not going, I was sort of would have been not part of the group, and I wanted to go. I think the reality of the competition when I walked in and I saw the mats and I saw all the people and I had on, um, I had signed up for no gi and gi. And I remember becoming very panic stricken and thinking like, oh my gosh, I looked at the people in my category and in my division they probably were all 17 to 22, muscular, uh, fit, um, just, and I was not in shape like I am now, <laughs> seven and a half years later. I remember hyperventilating and my coach just saying, you know, once you get this over with, it's going to feel so good. I stepped on the mats. My first match was no gi, and I remember the girl was probably 17 or 18 years old, stepped on the mats, and the minute the referee said go, she zoomed right in, got me with the double leg, and I landed flat on my back. And I remember looking up and seeing people like putting their hands on their faces like, oh my gosh, I hope this old lady's okay. But it was so funny, but I was absolutely okay. It didn't kill me. I wrapped my legs around her waist, got her in closed guard. And even though I lost the match, I did it. I went through with it, and I made it happen. From then on, it was like a rush. Every time I had the opportunity to, try, to compete, I wanted to do it. Even though the odds are really stacked against me with the competition, I wanted to compete. There is no better feeling than stepping on that mat and trying to take everything that you've trained and learned from your coaches and putting it out there. It was such a frightening, but in the same sense fulfilling uh, moment in my life. And absolutely changed the way that I practice jiu-jitsu and that 
why I continue seven and a half years later to compete as much and as often as I can and encourage all people in the gym, white belts, black belts, to get out there and just feel that adrenaline rush that you get, you know, from being able to show the art of jiu-jitsu. And I thank you so much for allowing me just to speak this. It means an awful lot to me to be a part of the jiu-jitsu community. Something I notice about every intense experience that I've had in life is that my perspective changes on it over time. That's why I wanted to document every moment so that I could get Betsy's in the moment take immediately after every match to try to catch those immediate reactions. If you've seen Henzo Gracie Legacy, it's the same thing the filmmakers do right after Henzo's fight with BJ Penn, where they catch him exhilarated talking about how it's the most memorable feeling in the world and there's no other feeling quite like it. So I wanted to talk to Betsy after her matches, but I also wanted to talk to her after she'd had a full night's sleep. There wasn't much of a fundamental change, but she certainly had a better idea of why we always talk about food on this show. So, Betsy, you've had, you know, 12 to 24 hours since your first tournament, and you've had the, the height of victory, you've experienced the defeat, and you've had some time to reflect as well as eat and sleep. And I'm wondering what your impressions are of the day. The post-tournament eating is so good. It is really super. Like, you're not hungry, or I wasn't hungry, for quite a long time afterward, but then when you get hungry, you get so hungry, and you can eat all the things because you have earned them through your effort. Mm-hmm. It's glorious. Yeah, one of the things on the podcast that you've noticed is every guest talks incessantly about the things that they eat when they're done training or fighting mm-hmm. or competing, and I guess you understand that on a different level now. Food has never tasted so good. And so irrespective of the eating experience, like now that you've had some time to reflect on the tournament experience, like what is your calm and reflected perspective on what your, what it was like for you? Um, well, on the whole, on balance, it was just, I'm so glad I did it. It was just an extraordinary opportunity to see something that I've never seen before and to try something I've never tried before, which is always fun. Um, I was pushed harder, I think, than I expected in some ways. I did not expect, after three matches, to just be so, so tired. And, you know, I I am probably a fairly light roller in the culture of our gym still. That's about to change. But um, I, I still am not usually gassed after three rolls. Competition rolling, totally, totally different. I was done. And I was in for absolutes around Robin, and I was praying like crazy that we wouldn't end up with one win, one win, one win, and have to do the whole thing over again. I would have done it. It would have been horrible. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's much, much harder physically than I thought. It is not as terrifying mentally as everyone warned me it could be, and the uh, and I have two new Facebook friends out of it. Both of the women I competed against uh, were super super cool, and I'm looking forward. To, you know, one of the things that Sammy Sapp said to me during the day is a lot of her best friends are people who she started at white belt with, 
and has been competing against from white to purple belt. And I can see absolutely why that is. It was really, it was, she told me that before my first match, she was coaching against me in two of the three matches I had. Um, and I like Sammy tremendously. And one of the things she said beforehand was incredibly helpful to me throughout the day, which is these are people that you're going to see over and over again. This is, this is your cohort. These are the people who will show up. And I was really worried I wouldn't have a match at all in my weight division. And so I was really grateful for the people who showed up. This is the thing Chelsea Kurtzman has written about, you know, that she'll show up for people because it's hard for women to get matches. And she shows up. And, you know, I was so grateful for the other women who showed up. And I want to show up, too. One of the things that's interesting to talk about you, so you had two matches, you or you had three matches, you won two of them, and in, in the third match, uh, you ended up on bottom in very difficult position for, for the entirety of the match. And one thing, you, know, you got your face squeezed. I was and so squished. You got squished real good. <laughs> and one of the things that I experienced, I want to see, that I want to see if if you had a similar experience is, obviously, it's, it sucks to get squashed, right? When you're down there and you're tired and you can't get out. It's And then after... Those are the matches that I end up appreciating the most because it's almost like, okay, I survived that experience. And, like, as of the further I get away from the match, the more I was like, that was actually awesome. You know, obviously you would have rather won, but, but like, I'm wondering if you have that, like, positivity coming away from that experience where you were on the bottom and couldn't get out. Well, there are a couple things in play with that. One is, yeah, I, I appreciated it. I think I will appreciate it more as I'm separated from it by time. You know, right now, I'm like, sure, yeah, that was great. I really like winning better. Um, (laughs) But uh, the woman I lost to in absolutes was um, the other... Amanda Martin from Shellshock BJJ. Yes. uh, Who? Hi, Amanda. um, Who's just terrific as a competitor, as a person. She's been training since December, so I had almost four months on her. We've rolled together once before which was really fun for both of us, I think. I'm looking forward to rolling with her again. And um, I, so we had rolled in our weight division, and then we rolled again in absolutes, and we split it. And in some ways, that was really good, because I think for both of us, it was the first tournament. Um, I do not enjoy the experience of losing, but I also know it's really fun to win. And um, on the vein of people showing up for each other, like, I'm not sad to see Amanda win. Like, I am glad that she got to have the full gamut of tournament experience at her first tournament, too. Um, And the, okay, so that match, your specific question about how I feel about being, you know, crushed for three minutes versus not being crushed for three minutes, it was really instructive. Um, One thing I had been asking people to do the last couple of weeks at the gym was help me practice my side control escapes. And I was just under side control and under mount for three solid minutes of, you know, pressure. And, um, and I was really glad for the practice time that I had gotten from my teammates who just let me start under side control. And at the same time, it's a completely different experience to be so worn down already you know two good hard fun matches before that and then to be trying very hard to do all the stuff and to know like there's technical stuff I can do here I need to get my feet closer to my butt so I can bridge more effectively and getting good coaching and still be unable to execute all the stuff that people have been helping me with was really motivating for getting back to the gym and and knowing like hey 
just drilling side control and mount escapes isn't enough. Like you have to really drill them when you're so cashed out. So that was super fun and useful and valuable. Yeah, the two toughest things in jiu-jitsu are getting out of side control and passing the guard. And so, uh, yeah, so being under that is not a great experience. And it will really inspire you to improve your guard when you get your guard passed and get your face squeezed for for many minutes. Uh, I'm going to think about it for a second, but Chelsea Kurtzman took a photo of my face after that match that has some really beautiful waffle pattern from Amanda's key uh, impressed on my face, which has finally faded 24 hours later. <laughs> I have faded before that. But, um, yeah, I may I may share that with you so you can dump it on the Instagram because it's pretty funny. Not a flattering photo, but a really funny one. Yeah, it's fun. it, like, it, it is. Uh, we're not sure if that's going to end up on social media or not, but uh, really impressive shoulder pressure from Amanda there. So uh, and, and it left you a, a lasting impression, literally. Um, <laughs> One thing I want to say before we before I ask you a final question is my experience is exactly the same as Sammy Seffs in that the people that you've been competing with for a long time often become your closest friends, even those that, that beat you up. And so one of my favorite matches, and I think I've told this story on the air before, my, one of my favorite – I hate losing. I'm a very competitive person, but one of my favorite matches ever is a match I lost against Chris Luter who refed at least one, maybe two of your matches. Yeah. And, and yeah, and so – me and Luter had some great matches at White and Blue Belt, and in one of them, like you know, Luter uh, it was a great back and forth match. Luter wore me out with his pace as he does, to, and and at the end, just ends up passing my guard and smashing me, and I was completely exhausted at the end of the match. But it was also a, and you know, which again, you'd rather win. Winning experience is always better than a learning experience. But man, after that match ended, I was like, I'm so glad I went through that. It was because. So, you know the feeling of giving everything you have and like really being pushed is such an, an extreme experience that you rarely get, and so so that's really you know it's one of the reasons that you know me and Luder are friends. Low these many years later is because Luder beat me up. He's also a fun ref, I gotta say. He's very funny. So Betsy, is there anything about the experience that I haven't asked about that you wish I would have asked about, or that you want people to know either? just because you wanted to know them to know it about you or because you think it might be helpful for other white belts who are early in their competition career or are considering competing for the first time but aren't sure they want to compete? Yeah, actually, there are a couple things. Um, Amanda and I were talking after our second match. For her, she f- dove into competition much faster than I did. You know, I really was slow to jump in. I wanted to think, as with everything, I wanted to think through it carefully with the cost-benefit and how will this affect me if I like it? How will it affect me if I hate it? Um, can I handle my emotions around you know, winning and losing, which I take pretty seriously? Um, and Amanda, you know, this is a thing where she is deliberately putting herself out of her comfort zone. She's pushing herself to try new things and to grow as a person, which I find incredibly impressive. Um, so, you know, there are two, the, the, she and I kind of represented two very different philosophies of entering tournament competition, and I'm kind of persuaded that hers is, the, you know, it's very individual, your decision whether to compete, but Amanda really went for it pretty early in her, you know, she made the decision to compete pretty early in her jiu-jitsu career, and, you know, she's four months in now, but... Um, she had to register for the tournament beforehand. And um, I think there is no reason not to test yourself in this way. 
I think it's very different for men and women. So I guess I'm really more speaking to women right now because that's my experience. But every woman I know who is an upper belt, you know, competing at an elite level has an incredibly hard time finding matches in competition. And I think that doesn't reflect and the number of women in the white belt division yesterday did not reflect the number of women I know who train at white belt. Um, and I encourage, there is something so different about competition that I, I was ready for it to be different. I was not ready for how different it, it was from every other training experience I've had. It feels like competing in this way, you know, I'm never going to be a world beater. That's not in my life plan or game plan. But we talked with Jake Whitfield about how competition is a good proxy for self-defense, which is why I got into this. And so I think covering the range of goals that women have in training, most of us, I think, do start off from a self-defense perspective. The world is not friendly to women. We have to take care of ourselves. And so if you are a woman who got into it for any of the listed reasons, because you're competitive, because you want to be fit, because you want to learn to defend yourself, I think there's something in competition for everybody, just based on 24 hours of reflection of what I found there. Um, in addition to the very selfish thing of, I want to be the best at jujitsu that I can be within the parameters I'm setting. You know, I'm not going to quit my job and do jujitsu full time. But I'm going to do as much as I can to make sure I'm able to walk safely through the world and be a good rolling partner and turn out for tournaments so that other women have somebody to compete with and test themselves. So for white belts, and particularly for white belt women, I would say, do it, go do it, go start forging these friendships, get this experience early, um, become a part of this community so that you can you may not win. Um, you will learn something. You will gain something. It might not be a medal, but you will definitely gain something. And I would like to see you out there. And if I see you out there, I'm going to be so proud of you. So that's my big thing. Hey, Betsy O'Donovan. Yes, Jeff Shaw. So you just had your first competition experience, and I'm curious about what you think about the refs that you had at U.S. Grappling Charlotte. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, so... I realized in the car ride on the way to U.S. Grappling that I didn't know how I was supposed to talk to the refs. Um, the relationship between competitors and referees is different from every tournament organization. Um, so I drew Chris Luter as a ref in all three of my matches, and he gave us the rundown of all the rules, things that we needed to know as white belt competitors. It was very, very clear before we uh, shook hands and then grabbed each other. Um, and I have to say, he also made it really fun for us at a couple of points in the match. Before we started, he said, look, you know, I don't want to flip a coin, but I'll flip a coin if you guys leave it up to me. At which point I had to ask whether he had room for a coin in his fight shorts. Um, and then, you know, midway through my second match, he reminded us, like, ladies, don't, I don't want to come to a decision. This is going to be hard for me get it like go get it and it was uh, not what I expected from a refing experience but it was terrific to get that kind of communication from a ref like hey there were no points on the board we needed to you know we were being really active but we weren't doing what we were there to do um, and I would say on the whole it was just a tremendous experience to, to work with professional well-trained referees 
who are still humans and um, people I am looking forward to seeing again and again at U.S. grappling matches. So if you want to work with the best refs in the business or just find out where Chris Luter keeps that quarter in his fight shorts, come compete at a U.S. grappling tournament. You can check out all the upcoming tournaments at usgrappling.com or search for U.S. grappling on Facebook to find out all the upcoming tournament information. Maybe we'll see you there. Thanks for supporting our friends and sponsors. So far, we've heard extensively from a white belt about her first ever competition, and we also heard from a blue, a purple, and a brown belt. Fortunately, black belts haven't forgotten that first time either, even ones that compete at the most elite level. Samantha Valhaber is an elite competitive black belt and one of our favorite guests. Fighting under the Gracie Humaita banner, Sam competed not only at our first podcast card about a year ago, she also just won a match at Fight to Win Pro 32 by Armbar, so she's coming off another exceptional competition season. But she hasn't forgotten her first time competing. She waited until Blue Belt, but had a memorable experience that she talks about here. Hey, this is Samantha Fallhaber. I am a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I started in like 2002 or three. I'm never really sure. I did junior or senior year of high school. And I may have missed this opportunity, but in case I haven't, um, my first tournament experience wasn't until uh, I was a Blue Belt. And I, let's see. I didn't have any girls to train with uh, at my school in Maryland um, on any kind of regular basis, and I hadn't for years or really ever um, since I started live training, and so I really had no idea. So I was really excited about, hey, like, I'm going to get to fight people my size and weight, and it's going to be great, and my strength level. And so the first tournament I did was an in-house back when Maxercise um, was pre-Maxercise splitting up, and... Um, in Philadelphia, and so we, my school was an affiliate, and so we went up there, and there were only two other blue belts, and they were both at least 40 pounds heavier than I was, and one was at least like, close to a foot taller. So I fought that, and I lost both matches, and I would say that, um, and, and we were, we actually didn't even do time rounds at my school at the time. We only did, um, like, basically just go as long as you want. So we'd have, like, 20, 30-minute rounds going a lot because we just went until you were done training with a person, <laughs> basically, or until somebody submitted. And um, so I didn't think that that would be an issue. And I, it was probably a six-minute match. Um, I'd be guessing that we were following, like, IBJJF stuff. And um, I remember feeling like I was dying. I was, like, my, you know, the forearms locked up. My breathing was all over the place. Like, I couldn't make a fist. I was, like, in shock with that. Um, so. That was my first tournament experience, um, and so it didn't really like feel like it really gave me um, much. But I learned like what adrenaline dump is and and all that, and so that gave me a, a good perspective to go into my my second tournament experience, which I think was in I think the second one was another in house, and there were actually girls my size, and I had learned to stay calm a lot better, and that kind of became my thing was being really zen while competing. Samantha Fallhaber wasn't the only high-level black belt that we talked to. Caitlin Huggins competes at an elite level, has been training for 13 years, and still remembers her first tournament experience. Plus, she has a valuable message for anybody who might be considering competing. So, my name is Caitlin Huggins, and I'm a black belt, uh, training under Jeremy Arella Great Grappling. And I've been training about 13 years regularly. And my first tournament back in 2004... Um, was during the summer in Florida. It was a local tournament. Um, 
very small. And I believe it was out of Orlando. Up to that point, I had been training six months regularly, so uh, I was still a white belt. And I had been training over the summers with my dad uh, since I was 12, but it was like one to three months out of the year. So I didn't really consider it, you know, uh, enough experience, I guess. But anyways, when I entered my first tournament, I had been training regularly for six months under Eduardo Lima. I was 15, and I had to enter the female juvenile division. And there was nobody, as you can imagine, back then. There weren't a lot of women, alone teenage uh, ladies, to compete against. Uh, usually, after that point, showing up to tournaments, I got used to being the only girl there. And um, I had to go against two teenage boys and then one adult woman. And I got submitted by both the teenage boys and the grown lady. The the adult woman, um, I managed to get the takedown on. Um, but then I remember getting reversed, uh, going for a submission for an armbar. And she managed to armbar me. <laughs> And uh, I just remember back then um, just, like, feeling so disappointed because I really wanted to do good or do well during my first uh, tournament. Um, I think everybody has that fear when they enter their first tournament. It's a really harrowing experience. But I wanted more after that, and I took a lot away from it. And uh, after that tournament, you know, I, I kind of went on a winning streak and didn't really lose again uh, for years. Uh I lost once in Brazil as a blue belt when I was um, 17, and then again as a purple belt in the Pan Ams. Uh, against, I lost my first uh, match in the absolute to be a mosquito, and um, you know, so I like I my first tournament. I, I lost all my matches, so I try to tell people, don't put so much on your first tournament, because after that, you know, I, I did pretty well. Like, I'm trying to think of the times that I lost, and, you know, it was it, like I said, I went on, I had a really good winning streak, even though my first tournament, you know, I got submitted, so. So I just wanted to say to everyone, don't base so much on your first experience um, at a tournament, because that's not going to reflect the rest of your development and journey as a competitor. Um, you know, take from it. What could you have done better? What could you take away from that experience? What is there to learn? Competing, you know, you hear so many people say it over and over again. It really does make you better. It makes your jiu-jitsu better. And it makes you test yourself against other styles and schools and really put it out there. So I, I encourage everyone to give it a try once. And, you know, it's either going to push you to want like me and others or, you know, you'll be like, this isn't for me. I just want to, you know, do jiu-jitsu as a hobby and have fun with it. It's not really for me. But, you know, try at least once. You won't regret it. If you're listening to the show, you might be a regular competitor, or you might be an occasional competitor, or you might have never competed at all. Wherever you're at, I hope you got something out of these stories. If it's the latter and you haven't competed but are considering competing, I hope that this show encourages you. Not everyone needs to be a regular participant in tournaments to get their goals out of jiu-jitsu, but whatever those goals are, self-defense or fitness or just enjoying the process of getting better, competing can help you in that journey. 
I think most people who don't have experience competing can be intimidated. But the stories in today's show reflect one common theme. You go through it, and whatever happens, you're glad you did it, and you're better because of it. So that's our show for the week. We'll be back next Sunday with more stories about life, jujitsu, and everything. My name is Jeff Shaw, this is Dirty White Belt Radio, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.